0: All right, so we asked you all to ask us some questions to talk about, and I'm going to answer one of those today. The goal is to keep these things relatively short and try to put out one a week. So here we go with week number one of this. Let's see if it continues. This week's actually a hybrid of two questions because they have a lot of overlap. The questions were essentially what exercises pair well together or what exercises don't pair well together, and why we do what we do on a on any given day in class so not necessarily why we run the cycles we run or block periodization kind of stuff but why we choose the stuff that happens inside of a one class day or inside of a wad if you will so we'll start off with some nerdy exercise science stuff uh, i know you guys love the nerdy exercise science stuff so here we go when you're doing exercise there's a primary mover And that muscle or muscle group is the one that you're targeting for the most part in that exercise. Uh, This is called the agonist. And there is a separate muscle group called the antagonist. And maybe that word is familiar from your English lit classes or whatever. It's the person in a story that is trying to mess up the plans of the main character. So... It kind of works the same way in exercise science the antagonist is doing something uh kind of opposite of the agonist so it the antagonist has purposes it's there this is a good thing that this is going on um, the antagonist kind of helps maintain position and it decelerates a muscle group moving if this didn't exist uh, if you're doing let's say something basic like a leg extension if there was nothing to decelerate your leg in, from going into an extension, uh, you would just like hyperextend your knee and, and snap the bottom part of your leg off, essentially. So those muscles are firing pretty hard, and so you need other muscles to slow them down and uh, you know get, get you to where you're not moving anymore. So that is essentially what the antagonist is doing. It's providing some kind of structure and then a safe way to slow the movement down, decelerate, however you want to look at that. There's also muscle groups called synergist muscle groups, and they uh, help out with the agonist muscle groups in a somewhat indirect fashion. So um, if you look at arm flexion, so like a bicep curl, uh, the main mover there is the bicep, hence bicep curl. And then you have the muscles in your forearm, uh, the brachialis, which is going to help the bicep, perform arm flexion so it isn't the primary thing moving but it is part of the um, gross movement pattern so it's what we call a synergist muscle group so a good way to think of all these concepts um if you are in a chair and you stand up you're going from flexion in the chair to extension standing up your knee and hip are extending they're lengthening they're getting longer back into a straight line so that's leg extension Um, you have a group of muscles that are primarily responsible for extension. So in this situation, the quads are going to help extend those joints. And then if you're going to sit back down, you're going to go into flexion and your hamstrings are going to become the agonist and your quads will be the antagonist when you're standing up. It's the opposite way around. So there are muscle groups that tend to do flexion and extension and the op, and then there's an opposing muscle group that helps kind of counterbalance or control acceleration and provide structure for those movements. So now that we've talked about the fact that there are muscle groups that work together to serve primary functions um, over a variety of movement patterns, you can just naturally extrapolate that it would be a bad idea to do a whole bunch of extension movements um, because you would just you would get tired, you wouldn't be able to perform them as efficiently. So you would find a mix of extension inflection style movements or another way to think about it in a way that things are um, generally structured or you might see them structured in a corporate style globo style gym is a push and a pull. So you tend to see those things paired together because if you're pushing something, your pulling musculature is not having to work super hard. So it's relatively fresh so that after the push exercise, you could do a pull exercise and the pull muscles are fresh and you can tax them giving the push muscles a break. So that is a pretty common pairing. So in the upper body, something like a bench press would be a push motion, and then a bent over row would be an example of a pull motion there. So those pair well together because they're, while the other muscle group is working in the opposite movement, it is somewhat getting a break and they pair together very well to allow you to do a lot of work in a smaller period of time because the muscle groups stay relatively untaxed those are both examples of horizontal pushes and pulls. The same principle could go with like a just a strict press and a pull-up or lat pull-down and it doesn't necessarily even mean that you need to pair a upper body horizontal push with a upper body horizontal pull. It can be a push that's horizontal and a pull that's vertical. You can mix those kind of either way um, to keep things interesting and, and just to kind of approach your day differently so that you don't get bored with that. And so you see that variety in our programming. We don't always horizontal push and horizontal pull. There might be a horizontal pull and a vertical push, but that still allows for some balance. Now, we don't do that every day, and that's mainly because real life doesn't allow for things to be done on an even split through the rest of your life. So some days we do things that are a push and a push, and it could be a horizontal push and a vertical push, or horizontal push and a, another horizontal push. Um, and those would be what we would call like an interference style workout. So yeah, those are gonna tire you out quicker. You're not gonna recover very well from them. Generally, you're gonna see some degradation in your performance as you go through the workout. And that's uh, you know that's got a lot of benefits, maybe less physiologically and more on the mental side of things, learning how to p- win the appropriate time to ratchet it up and push hard or kind of dial it back a little bit. Um, you know, there's some other benefits there in the main, like I said, the main one for us being that life just isn't always, you don't get to pair a push and a pull for the rest of your life in a normal day to day function. So having some experience with that inside the gym is just a good thing for you. So in addition to looking at push pull style ways to program, you know, we also kind of just look at what muscle groups get taxed the most from certain movements. So some examples with a lower body, if you deadlift, it's going to impact mostly your posterior chain so your glutes your lower back maybe your hamstrings those tend to be the things that get fatigued from a deadlift pairing it with something like a front squat or maybe deadlifting on a tuesday and front squatting on a wednesday or thursday still allows for the muscles to be relatively fresh Um, not to say you don't use your quads on a deadlift because there are points in the deadlift in which you are using your quads but for the most part the deadlift tends to hit the posterior chain so if we go anterior chain if we do something in your quads like a front squat um, a thruster, or something like that that's a good way to balance those two things if you were trying to put them all in one day those would allow those things to stay relatively fresh and to not overlap a ton but a more practical way we use it is if we deadlift it on a day you know, the next 48 hours or so, we would stay away from hitting the same muscle group. So maybe we go to a front squat versus a back squat or something like that. So that's kind of a rough way we balance the training week based on the movements that are happening. So it's rare that we go back-to-back days of posterior chain, posterior chain, or pull, pull, however you want to think about that. Um, Yeah, just because it gives your body a chance to recover and adapt, and that's what we're looking for, is the adaptation of the lift, we're not trying to just hammer the same thing over and over. It's why you generally tend to see a little progress if someone goes to the gym and they bench press every single day. It's just tough to recover from that. And so if you mess your if you mess with your recovery, you don't give yourself time to fully recover. You just don't tend to make the progress that you would with a more intelligent approach to that. Alright, so I hope that all made sense. I think some of that's relatively intuitive. You guys have probably picked up on a lot of that without. It being explicitly stated, but that's kind of how we choose to do what we do. We kept this thing under 10 minutes, so week one complete. If you guys have more questions, feel free to shoot us a DM on Instagram, and we'll get to them in a future episode. Thanks.